Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. On tonight's episode, I had a special guest lined up, but uh, it ended up falling through right at the last minute. Uh, so hopefully we'll have him on pretty soon. I don't want to spoil the surprise yet, but uh, for tonight, I'm going to be going over some of the players that I noticed, some of the trends that I noticed, and uh, just some of the things I noticed from uh, week four or even the first four weeks. We'll have Dynasty Outhouse on uh, next week, on next week's pod. Uh, we might have to put it out a different day because I think our schedule is kind of conflicted. So I might be putting out the pod a uh, day late, uh, but we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll put out two pods. Who knows? So the first thing is obviously like there's just more injuries. You know, we saw Julio go out. We saw, you know, Calvin Ridley didn't look 100% or at least he didn't get targeted. Nick Chubb is out for three to six weeks. Austin Eckler's out for <laughs> – four to six weeks, although it kind of sounds like he might miss a little bit more time than that, uh, possibly. You know, I, we obviously don't have, like, a full answer yet. This year, I'm probably going to tell you just to stop, like, selling or even putting your running backs on the the trade block because at this point, there's not even that many good running backs left. And, I mean, the ones that are that elite or that good, that much of a workhorse, like, you're going to need them. I, in one of my leagues, I had I have so many running backs, and I thought there's no way I'm ever going to run out of running backs. And then, you know, with Derrick Henry going out, Raheem Mostert was out. Um, J.K. Dobbins hasn't come on as quickly as I was expecting him to. It still worked out. My running backs were great, but if I hadn't had the depth, if I had sold off that depth, I would have been probably in, in, a, in a bad situation. So... At this point, just hold on to your running backs. And, you know, if you have too many running backs, it's probably it's just an advantage that you have over your league mates. It's not something, you know, like in a normal year where you need to sell them off to go get better at wide receiver where you're a little weak. Like, just be happy that you're solid or strong in one position and, you know, figure out the wide receiver position later on. Now, obviously, if somebody's going to sell or if somebody's going to pay up for a certain player – and they're going to give you crazy prices, then that's completely different. But, you know, it would have to be an overpay at this point for me to sell off a running back of any nature. Unless it's just somebody that I just don't believe in at all and just happens to be on my team. But at this point, <laughs> there's not too many of those players. I mean, even Miles Gaskin, who's on the back end of some of my rosters, he has, like, flex appeal for some teams, especially with the bye week starting, the injuries, and everything else. So... It would definitely be difficult to to sell off many running backs right now unless you're getting quite a haul. And then speaking of the running backs, you know, I was looking at the opportunity share for some of these players, and James Robinson really sticks out. He has a ninety or he had a ninety five point five percent opportunity share in week four. I mean, he's getting all of the running back touches. And I mean, I know a Zigbo could be back and at some point and God only knows what's going on with Armstead, but this is kind of what happened last year with with the Jaguars, and it's just they just kind of want to feed one player, and I know that it's a different 
coaching staff, but it seems like they're kind of doing the same thing that they did with Leonard Fournette last year. It's just with James Robinson. And honestly, his numbers have been pretty good. You know, he's he didn't put up the 30 points or however many it was from week three, but he still put up a legit number, uh, you know, legit running back one, running back two, something, you know, in there. And while I don't exactly expect him to be a running back one by the end of the year, and maybe he could finish right there, like running back 12, something like that. I do kind of expect him at this point to be running back 15, running back 16, something, you know, to right around there. And that's going to be extremely valuable. And the crazy thing is you guys got him for nothing. I mean, I got him for a fourth and some fab dollars in one of my leagues. I wish I had gotten him in other leagues. You know, I just, I really wasn't a believer at the time. And I wasn't a believer in the offense, but the thing is he's getting targeted. He's getting, he's getting rushes. He's getting everything. He has 95.5% of the opportunity share. He's literally getting everything for the running backs. And so that's, that's pretty important. He's obviously going to have down days. He's going to have bigger days, but um, you know, once again, with the injuries and everything, if you have them, just keep them. If somebody wants to pay something crazy for him, you know, if they just lost Nick Chubb and they want to give you Nick Chubb for James Robinson, okay, yeah, I'm doing that. But, uh, <clears throat> I mean, maybe not to the detriment of your team, but if you have the depth that you are you are able to do that, then I'm, I'm definitely can, uh, I would definitely do it. But, uh, you know, if, if you're starting Robinson as your RB1 and that's going to leave you without a running back for a couple of weeks and you're going to have to try and piecemeal something, then it's probably not worth it if you're, you know, trying to win, trying to contend. Obviously, if you're, if you're rebuilding, that's completely different. Another running back that had a high opportunity share was Jarek McKinnon. And I, this is like one of the greatest stories of the season, the offseason, uh, everything. I mean, it's, he's, he missed two years of football because of that leg injury. And, you know, the, the graft didn't take. They had to redo the surgery. And then working his way back, they were still, people were still questioning, was he going to be healthy? Was he going to be available at the start of this year? And I mean, he scored a touchdown in every game. And that's, that's not the end-all be-all. That doesn't mean like all of a sudden he's an RB1 or anything like that. But it's just like, it, it's showing that he is involved. And he had 71.9% of the opportunity share with Raheem Mostert out. Now, obviously Mostert's going to be back soon, we're hoping. So like, I don't expect it to be 71.9% going forward um, if Mostert's back. But I do see it being a split. I, I talked about earlier in the offseason where I could see it being like a 60% Mostert, 30, 40% McKinnon, and then maybe 10, 15, maybe 20% for Coleman, you know, just depending on the splits and, and things. And obviously Jeff Wilson will kind of, will probably go back down to the practice squad or, or maybe they'll just cut Coleman. I mean, he's, I don't even know when Coleman will be back at this point. I know he had a, at least like a, a somewhat moderate knee injury, but, I don't even think it's going to matter. The point is, is that if, if you can get McKinnon for cheaper than you should be able to, then, you know, go do it. If you haven't already, obviously I've been talking about McKinnon for months now, but there's still going to be people. I mean, I, I see it every single day with uh, obviously different position, but with Amari Cooper, even with what Cooper's doing right now, people still hate Cooper. Don't believe in him. We'll say the same things about him being inconsistent, that kind of thing. And I believe, you know, it's kind of the same thing with McKinnon. Oh, his knee's no good. 
uh, he's washed. He, he was never that good in Minnesota, like things like that. It doesn't matter. He's on the right type of offense for him. Kyle Shanahan went out and handpicked McKinnon and then paid him a lot of money because he wanted him to be their workhorse. And it didn't work out. And now there's Moster and things are a little cloudier than it would have been. But he's still proven that he can do it. And he looked really good in week four as well. Uh, he looked exactly like he looked two years ago, three years ago. The next one's probably a little surprising for some of you guys because uh, I know people were really excited about Kenyon Drake when, when it was coming out. But he had a 56.5% opportunity share in week four. That is not great. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have any value or anything of that nature, but it's, it's just showing you he's not a workhorse back. He is splitting the backfield with Chase Edmonds. And the other thing that's a little scary is that, you know, Drake only has like a 5% target share right now where Edmonds had almost a 20% target share this, this week. Now we know from his usage in the past in Arizona and even going back to Miami that Drake can catch the ball. So I, I don't know if it's just strictly usage and just a, a coincidence that that's happening, but through four weeks, it's definitely noticing, or it's definitely seeming like a trend and not something that's going to change anytime soon. And Drake has not looked very good as a running back. He's basically, I went back and watched the film on, on the last game because I, I was really trying to check out DJ Moore and we'll talk about him later, but I, I wanted to see what, you know, what was going on with DJ Moore because obviously he's been uh, not doing as well as, as we were hoping. But, you know, obviously I was watching what they were doing on the other side of the ball as well. And Drake is basically getting what's blocked for him. And the bad part about that is, is that their offensive line is not good. So I could see Edmonds taking even more of or a piece of that pie if Drake doesn't start doing something soon because they're giving him a decent amount of touches. And if he doesn't start producing with them, then they might say, hey, why don't we see what Edmonds can do? Because we know he, he kind of blew up in the one week that he was healthy last year. Another one that wasn't really surprising, but you know, just kind of stood out was Alvin Kamara. He only had a 51.1% opportunity share. Not truly surprising. Uh, we know that he splits with uh, Latavius Murray. We, we know that the Saints don't really want him to have a full workload. And, you know, we also know that he can produce the, the way that that offense runs, uh, you know, through him or, or with him. We know that he can produce without getting a, a crazy amount of touches. But it is something to keep in mind when you're saying, oh, Alvin Kamara is this year's Christian McCaffrey. Well, Christian McCaffrey had a 95.5% opportunity share like James Robinson does this year, not a 51.1%. And so when you're only getting the ball half the time, it just limits your upside. It limits your ceiling. And while we've seen a lot of ceiling games so far this year, we could have some of those eight, nine, 10 point games coming up, uh, you know, especially against a, a little more difficult uh, defenses. Once, once Michael Thomas comes back, uh, you know, things could change a little bit. The Saints have to win games. And we saw that while it was great for fantasy, it wasn't necessarily great for the Saints when Alvin Kamara was getting 16 targets because that usually means that they're behind, they're coming back, and they're not 
they're not always winning those games. I could see people being disappointed with Kamara going forward, not saying that Kamara is not going to be a top five back or anything like that. Uh, and, and once again, I'm not saying to even sell them or sell them low by any means. Uh, if anything, you would want to sell them very high, like Christian McCaffrey levels from last year. But at this point with running backs, I'm almost not selling, you know, like I said earlier. Jonathan Taylor is the next one that stood out at 45% opportunity share. And that one is a little disconcerting for a lot of people because people really thought that he was going to be a top five back as soon as Marlon Mack went out. And it really hasn't come to fruition. He, he basically had the one good game. But after that, it's just been kind of meh. I mean, not terrible. He's getting a decent amount of touches but not what you were hoping for. And there's definitely more of a split than we were hoping for. I was listening to a pod earlier in the day and they were talking about, I forget which one it was. I think maybe it was JJ Zacharies. And uh, he was talking about how they were kind of, you know, the, the, the bears were never in this game. And so, you know, maybe it was just that they didn't need Jonathan Taylor to do much. They still gave him 16, 17 touches obviously they were never even remotely close to being behind or, or even, you know, caught up to by the bears. And so they didn't need to throw the ball to them. They didn't need to use them and use them in that capacity. And so maybe it's just kind of a fluky, weird game script kind of game where they didn't need them and, and the usage and the opportunity to share will be higher in the future. But uh, it's definitely not the like full on workhorse running back that we were looking for. And uh, it's just something to keep an eye on for sure. It is a possible buy low opportunity because I could see things being better in the future. And once again, even if it's not, even if it's going to be like this, where it's going to be a 50% opportunity share, running backs are gold right now. And so if you can buy them low for a wide receiver that's going off right now, like a Tim Patrick or a Demir Bird or something plus a second or something to that effect, then go do it because you, you're going to want that running back depth, especially now that the bye weeks are hitting. And then the last one, as far as the the running backs was Darrell Henderson. He only had a 33.3% opportunity share. And that after the previous week, everyone thought like he took the job, like that was his job now. And it was a weird game. If you watched it, the Rams really should not have struggled like they did against the Giants defense. The Giants are god-awful right now, or maybe they always have been. But uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely looking like Sean McVay might have actually been one of the few coaches that was telling the truth at the beginning of the year when he said he wanted to do the hot hand approach. He wanted to do the, the split backfield approach. But the other thing is, is we have to remember that Malcolm Brown uh, broke his pinky, had to have surgery on it, and – he had the surgery. He basically missed a week or, you know, wasn't very involved. And then he came back and he was fine. So maybe we were just reading into it that Henderson had taken that job when really it was just that Brown was kind of healing and, and taking, you know, a week off like that kind of thing. That backfield is going to be even more of a mess when Akers returns from his rib injury. And it might end up being a backfield to avoid at this point. Although, once again, you're not really avoiding any running backs. So if you can get Henderson cheap, Akers cheap, Brown cheap, any, really any of them, uh, go do it and hold if 
if you have them. There was two quarterbacks that kind of stood out to me this week in uh, ADOT, average depth of target. And it's basically how far down the field they're throwing the ball. You know, are they just doing quick dump offs or are they actually like getting the, the ball down the field and taking advantage of situations? And the the first one was Josh Allen. He only had an A dot of 4.8 yards. It had been 10.9 and 9.3 in weeks two and three. So that was a pretty huge difference. I mean, you're more than cutting it in half at that point. And he still had a decent game, but we also saw it was his lowest game, uh, lowest yardage game that he's had. Maybe, you know, while he didn't didn't exactly come down to earth, he definitely was not as good as he was in the first couple of weeks. So something to keep in mind, you can probably get quite a haul in a super flex league right now for Josh Allen. And you might be able to get some, like a pretty nice quarterback and maybe even a running back or a wide receiver throwing or, or something like that. Um, Josh Allen's also had the most danger plays in the league. Now he has not had the most turnovers, but we've seen in the past that danger plays can correlate with turnovers. And so just because it's not happening in the first couple of weeks doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. And when he starts turning the ball over, fumbling like he has in the past, making really bad decisions like he has in the past, then, you know, maybe things won't be as gravy as it is right now. The other one was Jared Goff, and he had a A dot of 6.2 yards, and uh, that matched Derek Carr's A dot. And I give Carr a lot of crap for how much he dumps off and how short of throws and how conservative he is. And so I, I have to give Goff crap for this one. It just he's looked really good so far this year, and it's it's shown up, you know, in the box scores. He's had he's had some pretty good weeks, and this week was not great. And it was against the Giants defense that he should have been able to just easily destroy. And I don't know if it was the game plan or what, but everything just seemed to be little dump offs, quick screens, quick slants, things of that nature. And we want to see we want to see what he was doing in the first couple of weeks where I mean they were really just taking advantage of everything. His A dot was higher. So once again, not losing my mind about it, not freaking out about it. It's just concerning when you see that and he and he didn't have a very good game because of it. It could just be one week, one week fluke, but something to keep an eye on. As far as the wide receivers go, I was looking at the target share and Adam Thielen had a 45.5% target share again. I know he had the weird week three where, you know, he basically hardly wasn't targeted and uh, Jefferson took over but he's been extremely highly targeted through four weeks. And, you know, I think it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a target funnel for him and Jefferson. I mean, Jefferson actually had a decent day too in this one. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was all feeling and, you know, it's just a fluke week or anything. Obviously we know that the Minnesota offense isn't the greatest and there's probably going to be up and down days. But when you have that kind of target share, I mean, it's like almost unheard of, a 45% target share. When you have that kind of target share, you have to take advantage of it. So if if somehow you can get Thielen because he's old and, you know, people think he's injury prone and that kind of thing for somewhat cheaper than he's probably worth, it might be willing to look at it, especially if you're dealing with injuries like Julio, Chris Godwin, or anyone like that. Another one was Keenan Allen, and I was fading Keenan Allen hard all offseason. 
I wanted nothing to do with that Chargers offense. And in week one, it looked like I was 100% right. And I was, uh, I don't really do victory laps, but I was doing victory laps in my head. And I'm glad that I don't do victory laps on Twitter and things like that because it would have looked pretty bad because uh, since then he's had some big games. Now, this one wasn't the biggest game. He didn't score any touchdowns, uh, but he still had a 44% target share. And he has a 36.1% target share over the course of the season so far. Well, I don't think things are going to be the most consistent with uh, you know Herbert at, at the helm. It doesn't really matter when you're getting that many targets. You know, it's it's going to pay off. And at the very least, you're going to have a huge floor. You know, maybe the ceiling goes away at points. But, I mean, if you want to call this his floor game, he, he still had 11 targets, eight catches, and 62 yards. So, I mean, 14 points might not win you your week, but it's also not going to lose you your week. And if that's kind of the the low point, then I'd be pretty happy starting Allen right now. And obviously things can change, but, and we saw in, in week three, he had 19 targets, which is insane. Uh, 13 catches, 132 yards and a touchdown. And so, you know, maybe that's the ceiling, but if he can stay in between there, you're going to be a pretty happy camper. And as of right now, I don't see much changing. Um, it's it's hard not to be a believer in Herbert right now. I really wasn't in the offseason. I, I thought he was raw. I thought it was going to take a long time for him to be much of anything. And I'm not saying that I was wrong per se, uh, you know, we, <laughs> but we've, from what we've seen, it's definitely, he's definitely doing much better than I assumed he was going to. Now the next one's kind of the big one that everyone's talking about. And it's Robbie Anderson. He had a 30.6% target share in week four. And, people are saying he's taking over as the wide receiver one uh, for the Panthers. And I actually went, like I said, I I went and watched this game. I watched the film. I watched the coach's film to see what was going on. Does it look like DJ Moore's hurt? Does it look like he's not doing something right? He's not running the right routes or anything like that. And the question or the answer is no, he looks fine. He looks healthy. He's running great routes. He's wide open. The thing is, is that Robbie Anderson is too. It's not the DJ Moore's not good or not as good as we thought he was. It's the Robbie Anderson's better than we thought he was. And so, you know, like I obviously it's not my ideal situation or anything as a huge DJ Moore fan, but it really is looking like it's going to be a 1A and 1B kind of deal. And I'm still in the belief that, that DJ Moore is the 1A. I just really think it's still going to take some time for him and Teddy to get on to the same page because the, what's funny, what's weird is that they're actually running DJ Moore as the more of the deep threat and they're running Robbie Anderson as the short game, quick slants, uh, screen game, that kind of thing. And it shows up in their, uh, in their a dot and their air yards. So through four games, Robbie Anderson has a target share of 25.4%. Uh, 35 targets on 105 routes, 378 yards. His air yards per target is 8.9. So the ball's traveling in the air 8.9 yards on average. Now through four weeks, DJ Moore has a a 23.2% target share, 32 targets, 18 receptions, 107 routes, 288 yards, and his air yards per target is 12.6. 
And this is what I was seeing when I was watching the film. He's running deep routes. He's running a lot of what appear to be go routes or post routes. And it's, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing per se, like I said, but his, it shows up in his catch rate too. He only has a 56% catch rate compared to Robbie Anderson's 80, but it's because of the depth of target. They're much more diff- difficult throws. And that's why I was saying, I think it's going to take more time for him and Teddy to get on the same page. Now, obviously you're not going to be able to buy Robbie cheap or anything like that right now, but you probably can buy DJ Moore cheap right now, at least cheaper than he would have been before, unless you're trying to buy him from me because it's not going to work. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's, it's really a 1A, 1B kind of situation, and they're both going to be valuable going forward. And it's probably going to be hit or miss sometimes where it's going to be a DJ Moore game because he connected on a big, big pass. And, and, uh, and then obviously there's going to be the Robbie Anderson games where he just has, you know, 10 short dump offs and, and things of that nature. Now watching that film, it wasn't like they didn't use DJ short at all. It was just on, on average, the, the normal play, Robbie was staying shorter, running shorter routes, and DJ was running the longer routes, the deeper routes. So it's something to keep in mind, uh, you know, and maybe just because they're not on the same page, you know, maybe it does hurt more ceiling for this year. Uh, obviously, that's not great for my uh, the wide receiver, the dynasty wide receiver one overall argument. But, you know, we're only four weeks in. I'm not, I'm definitely not uh, taking an L or anything like that on this one. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything that doesn't show me that he's elite at this point. I just think that Robbie Anderson got out of those, uh, out of the gay shadows and he's showing us what he can do. The next one was Amari Cooper at 27.6%. I've talked about Cooper enough. Uh, You might still be able to get him. That's all I have to say about it. Uh, The next one after that is Evan Ingram. Uh, He also had a 27.6% target share and you know, people were kind of giving up on him after the first few weeks. But we, we saw that he was running routes. He was getting targeted. It was just that the offense wasn't doing much. And they still didn't do much this week. But he had a decent game, especially in PPR. You know, I, I think he got me like nine and a half points or something in one of my leagues. Not going to win me my league, but it's not going to lose me the, the week either. And with the, having a 27.8% target share is showing me that he – is still one of the more valuable pieces on that offense, as val- as valuable as you can be in a New York Giants offense right now. And so, you know, people are just completely giving up on him at this point. Uh, I, definitely somebody I'd be like, you know, throwing a, a second round pick or something at, if you know, especially if you're tight and needy. And then the last two were Greg Ward and Tim Patrick. And Ward had a 26.9% target share and Patrick had a 25% target share. And it it just really seems like you could probably get these guys uh, extremely cheap. And if you need help in your wide receiver uh, position, then that, I mean, there's, there's worse options than, than those two. I, I didn't really want to believe that Ward was going to be anything, but I mean, he's proven in two seasons, he's proven two years straight that he's something when he's on the field, when they need wide receivers, he comes out and he performs. And so I don't know how long it's going to be before Jeffries comes back before Deshaun comes back or, you know, obviously uh, Rager, 
or Sega Whiteside, like they're all out right now. And so you could do worse for the next couple of weeks with bye weeks starting and everything. You could do much worse than uh, Greg Ward and then Tim Patrick with a 25% target share. He's had two straight good weeks. And I know that that offense is kind of scary right now with uh, Rippin or whoever's going to be the quarterback until Locke gets back. But, I mean, Patrick's shown us that he, whether it was with Driscoll or with Rippin, that since Cortland Sutton went down, he's been a factor. And he was kind of a factor in, in previous years. And people were always saying, especially like uh, people close with the, the Broncos were always talking and raving about Patrick. And, you know, we're kind of seeing that right now. And obviously, like Judy's the one that you'd probably be more excited about, but you're not going to be able to get Judy for anything less than what he, you could have got him for a couple of weeks ago. You could probably get Patrick for you know pretty cheap price, maybe a third round pick or something. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up was uh, I had two sell high targets, and that was once again Mark Andrews. I talked about it in week one. Then he had two slow weeks. People were you know like, oh, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. And then he scores two touchdowns this week, but he only had a 13% target share in a low volume offense. He only had three targets. He turned that into two touchdowns, but we've already seen in weeks two and three what happens when he doesn't score the touchdowns. Now it's a tight end, and you know I, there, there's not that many great options out there. Although it seems to be there seem to be more this year than there was in the past, but people are, lose their minds about Andrews. At least the people that I've talked to, and. So if you can sell him or, you know, once again, I've talked about moving up from Andrews to Kelsey. If you can sell him to, uh, to get Kelsey and not pay much of a premium, then I would definitely be doing that because I don't want to worry about that inconsistency. I don't want to worry about a 13% target share. And I don't want to trust that somebody's going to score a touchdown 33.3% of the time, which is what he's done so far this year. Uh, I just, it, it, it's not it's not sustainable and it's not going to continue and then the other one is a little tricky because it, it, he's he's a young player he's a rookie and you know you you don't want to trade somebody away as they're growing as a player unless you're getting quite a haul and so that's really what I'm talking about and it's CD lamb uh, the truth is he only had a 12.1 percent target share but he scored two touchdowns this week and he only has a 14.2% target share through four weeks and only a 16.3% market share of the air yards. So he's really not getting targeted that much. And when he is being targeted, it's, it's usually little quick slants, little dump offs, things of that nature. So it's not like he's getting these huge bombs. He's been kind of lucky with some touchdowns, but if people, I mean, obviously Lamb was already a highly touted prospect coming out. He went at like 105, 106, sometimes even earlier in your rookie drafts. And so if somebody's willing to pay you even more than that now, I think I would go ahead and do it because we've seen that Amari is the one in that offense. And then it's basically Gallup and Lamb as like the 2A and the 2B. And yeah, Gallup hasn't looked great, but his target share is only a little bit behind CDs. We've just seen CD, you know, catch some touchdowns. And obviously he's a rookie. He's going to grow. I like CD a lot as a prospect, 
But the truth of the matter is Amari's there for at least the next two years. Gallup is there, is under contract and is there for another two years. So unless they trade Gallup, which you know we've seen that they need all the offense that they can get. So I really don't see them doing that. But unless they trade Gallup, it's going to be the three of them. And CD's probably going to be right there as the 2A to, the, to Gallup's 2B. So if somebody's willing to give you a wide receiver one price for him, then I'd, I'd probably be willing to do it. So once again, I was hoping to have a, a, a nice surprise guest tonight and didn't really work out. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have some big names and, and some, some good guests coming up. Just didn't work out tonight, but I just wanted to kind of go over some of the things that stuck out to me uh, this week or, you know, in previous weeks. At Dave Fantasy just put out a, a new Fantasy Crush article at contenderconnection.com today uh, talking about his new crush of the week. He's doing that every week. Uh, he already has some, you know, they're all on the website. Uh, just go check out the articles on the page. So check out contenderconnection.com. I'll be back in your ears next week. Until then, I'm cashing out.